Great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being a part of our services. Thank you for daring to come in this weather because you know, as Texans, you know, it's like any rain. We're like, oh, I can't leave the house. So thanks so much for doing that. We appreciate you braving this weather. I mean, it may have been like a half an inch. It's crazy. Thank you. I appreciate you being so daring. So uh, thanks for coming today. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Some of our fastest growing campuses right now are behind bars. People are breaking the law to hear this sermon. I'm telling you right now. No, it's great. And so I just love you guys. Thanks again. Thanks for bringing your friends too. They invite their friends too. They literally invite their cellmates, their friends. I mean, they have friends too. And so I think it's great that you guys do that. Thank you for doing that. We're actually trying to expand into several other prisons as well. And so just, uh, I'm just so grateful for a church that cares for people who most people have just marginalized and said, we're done with you. Nope, Jesus isn't done with you, not even close. And so just grateful for that, it's really, really cool. So we've been in this new series on, called Crushed. The whole thing has been on the Garden of Gethsemane. And of course, last week, you know, we talked about how, how you have to go through some stuff before you get to your purpose. We talked about that last week. If you didn't uh, hear the message last week, I wanna encourage you to get our app. You can download that at all the different platforms and watch that sermon. I think it really will speak to you. Today, we're picking up now when Jesus and his disciples go into the actual Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane literally means the Garden of Crushing. So he was going to go, and he knew what he was doing. He, this is a place he regularly went, but this was different this time because he knew, I have to fully surrender my agenda to, to the Father. And so maybe you're going through a crushing right now, some things that maybe no one else knows about but you. And you feel like, man, I just, I'm worn out. I've just, I'm taking it. I, I just feel so exhausted, and I feel the weight of the world on me. Well, Jesus literally had the weight of the world on his shoulders when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. So pull out your notes if you would. I wanna dive right in and get started. Today's message is called, No One Understands. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like just no one understands what I'm going through? No one gets me. No one understands the pain, the difficulty, the season I'm in. And so it's very common for people to feel that way. So we're gonna talk about that today. Well, before we do that, what's our mission statement? What are we here to do as a church? We're gonna take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Remember that, please, that two weeks away is Easter. And so if we're gonna take as many people as we can, let's use one of the biggest opportunities in America. The average American says they're in church. 40% of the average American says they're in church. On any given weekend, only 25% are. On Easter weekend, 80% of Americans go to church. That means your friends would normally say no, we'll say yes for that weekend. So we should be thinking about who we're gonna bring, inviting them now, praying that we would bring them, and let's, let's have a big impact, guys. Let's make a difference. So let's dive into Scripture. Matthew chapter 26 says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Have you ever felt like your soul was overwhelmed? Like you just can't take anymore. You're like, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. I am so frustrated and just, I don't know where to start. It's like you, you, you just, you, you think I'm overwhelmed. I just, I'm, I don't even know where to start in my life. I, I feel like, where do I start? My family, I've got issues at work. I just feel like I'm an emotional mess. You're just overwhelmed. Jesus was at this point of being overwhelmed because of what he was about to go do for you and for me. But notice that he brought his disciples with him. That's important. He didn't always do this. Sometimes he went into the garden to pray alone, just him and the Father. But notice he takes his disciples with him. Why would you do that? Number one, would you write this down? Because when you're going through tough times, take a team with you. When you're going through tough times, take a team with you. We all need each other. This is why we're such big believers in life groups around here. This is why we want to encourage you to get into a group because we all need one another. You may say, well, I don't need a group. 
Yeah, you may not need a group right now, but there may come a time when you do it. So why don't you actually join the life group before you need it? Wouldn't that be smart? And so we have a support system, you have people there for you, because you never know when something's gonna come down the, ru- the pipe in your life that you're gonna think, well, I really do, do need someone to talk to, someone to lean on, and someone to encourage you to do that. Also, be there for someone else. In fact, here's the other reason why I encourage you to join the life group, is because that's what discipleship looks like. In fact, if you, are, if you say to me, oh man, I'm really into the things of God, I love to grow deep in Christ, I love to mature my faith, I love discipleship. If that's you, then I wanna ask you, what part of scripture do you ever see the disciples not in the grouping? In other words, like the reason they were called disciples is because there was 12 of them that gathered together and did life together. And so if you are not known by, by a small group of people and you're not pouring into them and then pouring into you, then do not call yourself a disciple. Because you're not. You, you, may, you may speak a big game, but if you are not known by people and then they, they know you, if you are not loving one another, caring for one another, praying for one another, warning one another. All those one another's can't be done unless you're in a group. And so I wanna encourage you to get into a life group. Why are they called life groups? Because they bring life to you. You know the number one thing you'll hear in one of our life groups? It's not scripture, it's not prayer, even though we have both of those. Both of those are in every one of our groups. But you know the number one thing you're gonna hear? Laughter. People are having fun. It's actually a great, it's not a therapy session, it's nothing weird going on. No one expects you to have a seminary degree and quote a bunch of scripture. No, you're just doing life together. And so I wanna encourage you to get into a life group. In fact, many of you need to, need to start a life group. I wanna encourage you to do that. Get involved and, and lead one. If you've got leadership in you, why would you just go to a group when you can lead the group? You can have an impact like that. So I wanna encourage you to do that. But we all need one another. It's a big deal. So when things get tough, take a team with you. Even Jesus did that. It's a big deal. And you may say, well, man, I travel a lot. No problem. We have online groups. Did you know that? You can join an online life group. That, that, that's a very effective way to do it. We have people meeting in online groups from all over the world. Did you know that? And so you can gather as well, no matter whether you're in a foreign country or the foreign country of Corpus Christi, which some people consider it a foreign country. I mean, you know, the Bible says to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. I've done that. I moved to Corpus Christi. I've gone to the ends of the earth. So, you know, so just kidding. Anyway, so, but I will tell you this. You are not as strong as you think you are. We all need a group of people that loves us and that we love them. You wanna do the one another's together, love one another, pray for one another, then get in the group. I encourage you to do that today. You can sign up on the HRM or go online right now and uh, churchunlimited.com and uh, sign up for a life group. Check out the scripture, it says this next. It says, going a little farther, he fell with his face down to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Isn't it interesting to see Jesus' humanity here? He's just like, is there any way I don't have to do this? Is there any like other route we can take, God? Because I'd really like to not go through this. And you may think, well, wow, it's Jesus. I mean, that seems a little unspiritual. Oh, I don't think so at all. I mean, listen, I mean, you know, when's the last time you had a procedure done? You're like, oh, I'm a little nervous. I gotta get a couple of shots. Well, he was about to give his life. I think he has every reason to, to feel this way. God, is there any possible way? He knew the future. He was God, fully God, but he's also fully man. And we see that here. We see his humanity showing. He says, is there any way I can not do this? And it says in verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. How frustrating is that? He's like, so I'm having the, the roughest day of my entire life and you're asleep. You ever felt like that? Felt like the people that are there to support you are asleep on the job? You're like, seriously? I'm going through hell over here and my husband's asleep. I'm going through all kinds of uh, nightmare situations and my wife uh, could care less. Or, or man, I'm going through all kinds of problems at work and I feel like no one cares but me. You ever felt that way? Like you're the only one in, on the job that actually cares for this company. 
right? It's frustrating. He's, he goes on and say this, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that true? Spirit is willing. I'm gonna go on a diet. My spirit is willing. And two days later, my flesh is weak. How many know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm so strong. You know, I mean, I can, I can, always, I can overcome anything but a temptation. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like, ah, you know, and I fall apart. You know, I can do this, you know, and then I see Mexican food in front of me, and then that's it. That's over for me right there, you know. See, in South Texas, many people married into the culture of the Latino culture. Not me. I'm just eating my way one meal at a time. I mean, either way. <laughs> but the, the truth is, in the scripture, is that our flesh is weak. So Jesus shows up. He's like, I'm going to go. You guys stay here and pray. He goes a little deeper into the garden. God, there's any way I don't want to go through this, but I want your will to be done, whatever you want. He comes back. You know, he's like, oh, man, I want to go see the guys. Seriously? Seriously? They're all asleep. You ever, you ever felt that? You, you ever felt like you're the only one that gets you? You ever felt like that just... My spouse just doesn't understand. My kids just don't understand. Or how about kids? They say to your parents, you don't know what it's like to be a teenager today. Well, that's true, because I'm not a teenager today. I mean, that was technically true, right? Husbands say to their wives, you don't get it. I feel all this pressure and this stress to provide for this family. And the wife says, you don't understand. I'm the one keeping this whole family together. And do you even have any idea where your kids are right now? I mean, I'm dealing with those. And so we all kind of have our own perspective, right? And so I can do this too, right? In my workplace, like, you don't understand what I'm dealing with all the time. I got to make sure that we can provide. And that everyone here, you know, that payroll's met and all this stuff. These employees just don't get it. And then one of the employees says, well, man, Pastor Bill just doesn't get it. He's so far removed from this department. He has no idea what's really even going on. I mean, he just doesn't get it. Isn't it funny how we can all do that? We can all talk about what? You just don't get me. But here's the thing. Of course I don't fully get you. You know why? I'm not you. And you're not me. And so for us to be offended that someone doesn't fully get us is a little ridiculous. I don't know why my wife just doesn't understand what it's like to be a husband. Right, she's the wife. <laughs> of course she's not gonna fully understand, right? And I'm not gonna fully understand her life either. You know why? We grew up in unique ways. We're not the same people, but we live in a culture today that is, is without empathy. We need to bring empathy back to where we can understand. I don't have to agree with everything you think, but I should at least take the time to understand where you're coming from and the why your perspective is different than mine. We've got to learn to bring respect back to one another and say, I may not walk in your shoes, but I want to try to relate with you. I want to try to understand where you're coming from. We live in the world today that demonizes everyone. Oh, how could you possibly vote that way? You're not even a human. It's ridiculous. It's like we need to chill and realize that we need to bring some empathy. We are all unique. We are all different. But if you're waiting for your friends and your family to fully get you, to fully understand you, you will be sadly disappointed because you're trying to turn a person into Jesus. And they're not going to fully get you. Jesus carried the weight of the world, carried the weight of your life on his shoulders, no one else. So if you're waiting for someone to fully get you, it's not fair to them. It's just not fair. So from Jesus' perspective, he's like, seriously? So notice Jesus went further into the garden. He was more invested. We feel that way, don't we? I feel like I'm the most invested in this. I feel like I've done most of the work. I feel like I'm the one carrying a load around here, right? We kind of feel that way, don't we? I remember when my son Cole was in junior high, he uh, scored one basket, one, uh, in the game. And so it was, it was funny. It just, it just so happened to work out that it was like, it was just the first half. I think he scored more. But, but in the first first half, um, he got fouled. He, he took two shots, made one, so he scored one point. So I forget what the score of the whole game was at that point, but the halftime, I went up to the coach, and I was like, hey, look, I just wanted to let you know, we're really tired of carrying the whole team around here, okay? So get it together. 
so he just laughed. But the point is this, don't we feel that way? Like we do one thing, we're like, I feel like I'm carrying the whole place around here. No one else understands this. Guys, you have to understand that if you're waiting for someone to fully get you, you're trying to put someone in the role of Jesus in your life who's not. Get your eyes off of man and get your eyes on God. When he showed up and he saw his disciples sleeping, he could have chastised him. What's wrong with you? I can't believe he's like, I'm gonna go back to the father, the one who will satisfy. So we have to know to do that. And so instead of being frustrated, recognize this. Number two, leaders carry the biggest weight and go the furthest in. Don't be frustrated when no one fully understands or seems as committed as you. They have their own path. So if you say, well, they're just not as committed to this whole situation as I am, that's because you're not in your shoes. But to be fair, you are not as committed to their path because it's their path. So you're all not as committed to someone else's path because you're too busy on your own path. And so it's okay. We can still care for another, be there for another, and understand one another without having to become the person. Do I have to lose a child to be able to minister to someone who's lost a child? I hope not. I'm just gonna do my best to try to minister to someone who's lost a child, but I'm not gonna sit here and go, oh yeah, I get it, I understand. They would be so offended, but no, you don't. You do not understand, you have no idea. And you know what, that'd be fair, you're right, I don't. But, but rather than that, when I'm going through something difficult, I don't say, what, you don't get, instead of they say, you know what, thank you. Thank you that you're, you're here. You don't have to understand fully my life to just to be there and just say, I'm still here. I'm, these guys chose to go to the garden with Jesus. They, they weren't perfect, but they were like, we, we, we're here, Jesus. I mean, no, we're falling asleep on you, but, but we are here. Wouldn't it be good for us to stop and recognize the good that people are for us? Rather than just always going, well, they don't do this. And they don't do that. You know what, but you're here. Thank you. Thank you that you even care to be here. It's a big deal. So we need to learn to bring empathy back to one another, care for one another, but understand you're not them and they are not you. It's okay to see things differently. Look at what verse 42 says. It says, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Do you notice how he's slowly in layers surrendering himself? So the first time I was like, hey, is there any way out of this? No, whatever you want, Lord, I'll do it. Then he comes back the second time, hey, God, I'm gonna ask you the same question again, but I wanna also say again, I, I know I'll need to surrender to your will. So you see him in layers doing this. And he says, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went ahead once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. So he's like, hey God, uh, is there any way out of this? He comes back and says, oh, you guys are sleeping seriously? Right? Then he goes back, okay, God, is there any way out of this? He goes back again. He's like, oh, they're all asleep. And he goes back a third time. And so, but he's, he's slowly surrendering himself fully to God here. And so what does this mean for you and me? Number three, it means the greatest temptation you will face is to not fully submit to the Father's will. See, we think the greatest temptation is like lust or pornography or alcohol or drugs, or the greatest temptation is to cheat on your spouse. The greatest temptation is to lose it with your boss. The greatest temptation is to cheat on your taxes or whatever, right? No, 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 there's an umbrella way above all that. But the greatest temptation is to not fully submit to the Father. In fact, the greatest temptation for you and I is that we kind of had the Christian life down so we know how to look spiritual without really being fully surrendered. Pretty good at that, aren't we? Praise the Lord. We're all super spiritual. Driving the car, you know, it's all rainy. You're like, hey, be quiet in the back. It's dangerous. You guys shut your mouth. I can't believe you. You pull up, praise the Lord. Good to see you at church today. <laughs> Isn't that funny how we know how to do that? We can just turn it on and off real quick, Right? You know, you're yelling at your kid, the phone ringing. You guys are just a brass and I can't believe you. Hello? <laughs> Hi. Your kids are like, who is this person? I don't know who that is. 
Because we, we, we know how to play the game. We know how to look spiritual, look like we have it together without being fully surrendered to God. Oh, I give my 10%, but do you know the 100% is God's? And if he were to require it, we have, we'd need to give it. He doesn't require that, but it's all yours, God. And so, oh, I'm honored, God, I haven't cheated on my spouse. Have you with your eyes? Because we need to fully surrender. In other words, like, see, there, there's levels, isn't there? It's like, well, I mean, I'm, I love God, but are you all in? Because Jesus says, let's go all in here. Everything I have, I submit to you, God. Let me see, that's unrealistic. Who said our faith is supposed to be realistic? We're supposed to be unrealistic in our faith. We're supposed to be all in. Look at Luke chapter 22 says, Luke, he's a doctor, by the way, so he knows this is something no one else knows this. He says, in being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great, uh, as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So now Luke says something here, it's interesting. So he's a doctor, he probably has training in Asia Minor, so he, he knew a lot. In fact, the terms, if you read uh, Luke's uh, account of Jesus, there's a lot of medical terms in there because he's a doctor. So he noticed something no one else noticed. So he says his sweat was as it were great drops. In other words, let me give you another translation that may help you understand it. He could have said as it were great clots of blood. Because what happened was he was speaking of a medical term called hematidrosis, which means blood sweat. And so let me just explain what that means. It's tiny capillaries in the sweat glands can rupture. So when you're under incredible agony, and by the way, Luke's the only one who used the word agony. So he realized, he was like, Jesus, you look horrible. Oh my gosh, there's blood. And he realized you're in an agony. What he was saying is like, you're in a state of agony. It wasn't like, oh, I'm in agony. No, you're, you're in a physical state of agony. Did you know that your emotional state leads to physical problems? There's a direct connection. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you can't sleep at night. Why? Because you're so emotionally wound up, you can't fall asleep. You're so depressed, you can't get out of bed. You're so frustrated and hurt, you can't even eat. See, we have a physical reality that happens from our emotional reality. So we have to be careful there. That can happen to all of us. By the way, this is just a little side point I wanted to mention. The actual Garden of Gethsemane in Israel, if you were to go there, they have now built a church on top of where they believe that garden. The garden is technically right beside it, but they built this church right there in the garden, essentially. It's called the Basilica of the Agony Church. Isn't that a great name? The Basilica of the Agony Church. I love that because you know what? When you're in agony, you should always build a church wherever you are. You should always say, I don't care what's going on in my life. I am frustrated. I'm going through it, but I'm gonna stop here and I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna have church in this moment right here and I'm gonna lift my hands and I'm gonna trust God in the middle of my agony. I'm gonna trust God. We need to learn not just to come to church, but to build church wherever we are in that moment. And say, God, I need to trust you and I need to trust you right here and right now. What does this mean for you and me? The greatest temptation is to, is to not fully submit. And so how do you fully submit when you're in that agony, when you're going through it? By the way, the word agony in scripture means wrestling. What are you really wrestling? You're wrestling over control. Fine, it's all yours, God. When we wrestle over control and give God full control of our lives. By the way, next week I'm talking more about this. Um, next week's message, I'm so excited about it. Do not miss it. I'm talking about learning to press into the pressure you have. So if you feel a lot of pressure in your life, you feel like, man, I just feel like I'm gonna go crazy. I feel just so much weight on me. And if you are struggling with panic attacks, things like that because of pressure, don't miss next week. You're gonna to wanna to be here for that as we prepare for Easter as well. So be sure to be here. Now, what happens next almost doesn't make sense until you really understand it because Jesus is agonizing. He is literally sweating drops of blood. I mean, this is some pretty serious stuff. But then he seems to calm down 
and get a resolute spirit about him. Like all of a sudden he, he goes from, God, is there any way this is possible? God, you guys can't even stay away. God, they're asleep. God, and all of a sudden he comes out of the garden. He's like, let's roll. And they're like, what? And like, hey, guys, get up. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Judas is on his way into the garden. Did you know that? Did you know, by the way, that we think it's so spiritual that he went and prayed in the garden? But you know that some of the most spiritual things that ever happened here is when you're betrayed? We forget that betrayal happened in the garden too. That's where that happened. Did you know that? He was in his moment of prayer with God when he was betrayed. So apparently God can even be in that. More on that next week. But check this out. It says, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So he's like, hey, let's do this. So he just has this resolute spirit about him. Why would he be that way? Where would his confidence come from? Well, his confidence came from being with the Lord, recognizing this is his will. This is God's will. I've, I've asked for it not to happen. God said no. So I now have a resolute spirit. This is what I'm gonna do. How can you be calm when you're about to be killed? How can you be calm when everything is about to seemingly go wrong in your life? How can you be calm when you're gonna be this much betrayed and spat upon and lied to and you're gonna have an unfair trial? All this is about to happen to him, he knows it, and he's so calm, why is that? I'll tell you why, because his spirit has now decided. We have to have a resolute spirit and say, I've decided. Maybe you keep being torn like, oh, I mean, it's Friday night again. I just, I really want to go to the club, but I don't, don't, I don't need to go to the club. I mean, but I, all my friends are calling. I want to go. Yo, you don't have a resolute spirit. That's why you're torn. You haven't decided before Friday got here. It needs to be a resolute spirit where you're like, no, that was the old me. That's not the new me. So you call a friend up on Thursday. What movie are we going to go to tomorrow night? You have a resolute spirit. You've already decided in advance. And so, but we keep going back to old things because we've not made a decision in our spirit that says, no, I'm done with that. That's old me. There's a new me now. I'm done. Let's roll. Let's do this. You have to make a decision. So that's what he does at this point. What does this mean for you and me? This is important. What does Jesus do? How can he face the cross when he knows what's about to happen to him? How can he face that? Look at Mark chapter 10. It tells us why he can face it. The son of man, he said, came to give his life as the price for setting many people free. Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 53. He said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. So he wasn't just crushed. He was crushed for something. You're not just going through a crushing because you're going through a crushing. You're being crushed for something. And until you see the purpose in it, all it is is pain. But you can go through anything once you discover purpose. It's incredible what you can go through when you see that God's in this. So dare I say to you, I don't believe Jesus went to the cross. I think he looked through the cross. And when he looked through the cross, he saw you. He saw me. That's what made the cross worth it. Otherwise, he'd be like, are you kidding me? I'm not gonna do that. Wait, who's it for? It's for all mankind? Okay, then I'll do it. It's amazing what we'll do for our kids, isn't it? Why would God be any different? So he didn't look to the cross. He saw through the cross and he saw you and I on the other side of that cross. That's why he gave his life. What does that mean? Number four, never look to the pain, look through the pain. Never look to the pain, look through the pain. You have to have a, make a decision in your spirit 
that this is what I'm going to do because of who I love, because of what God's called me to, and you look through it. What does that mean for you and me? It means look through the diet to a healthier you. Look through the 8 a.m. classes to a college degree. Look through the nausea ladies to a new baby. Look through the budget to financial freedom. Look through the weight to a godly relationship. Look through the withdrawals to sobriety. Look through your crushing to see his will. You got to look through it and keep going. That's the key. Quit looking to your pain, look through your pain, because on the other side of that is his glory. On the other side of that is his will. In your crushing is his will. You gotta look through it. There's purpose in your pain. God never wastes a hurt. He has purpose in your pain. Isn't that good to know that? There's purpose there. Do me a favor right now. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we just take a moment to pray? I wanna encourage you today. God loves you so much. He brought you here for this reason. See, he's so much smarter than you and me. He knew you needed this. That's why he gave me this message. Not because I'm so smart, because he's so good. And so he knew you needed this today. He knew you were going through something. So he knew to get your eyes off of how you're hurt, who doesn't understand you, get your eyes off of the pain in front of you, look through it. On the other side of it, it's God's glory. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if today has spoken to you, if you say, man, pastor, that's what I need. God, God knew I needed that today. I didn't even know why the Lord had me come to church today, but now I know. Thank you, God. I can trust you in the middle of being crushed. If that's you today, would you slip your hand up right now at all of our campuses? If that's you today, you say, man, thank you, God. I know you were talking to me. Praise God. Hands going up all across the auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand all the way in the back of Rodfield. Thank you. There in San Antonio, praise God. Thank you. Thank you. God sees you. God sees you. In the middle of a prison cell, God sees you. And he loves you. He's not done with you. He's not through with you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe today is, is a tough day to acknowledge that you've been trying to make someone your Jesus, and they're just not. Why don't you just set them free in your mind right now to realize it's okay. They don't have to have it all together. They may seemingly be asleep on the job to me, but... God, I thank you that I can trust in you. If you've never trusted your life in Christ's hands, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Then Jesus not only died for you, he rose again. You see, the difference between our faith and all other faiths is that Jesus rose again. Muhammad didn't pull that off. Confucius didn't pull that off. Only Jesus pulled that off. He rose again. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior by praying this very simple prayer. We're gonna pray it together out loud. We're just gonna lead you in this prayer. You can pray this with us now. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.